Welcome to Murder and Mayhem, the podcast where we explore the dark and mysterious side of writing. It's a world filled with more evil and crime than you can shake a sharpened stick at, where people save the world from certain destruction, where spies, terrorists and thugs abound, and where the killer could be someone in your very own home. It's also a world often filled with flawed heroes and likeable villains. But above all, it's a place where we explore the authors who tell these very stories, what makes them tick, and how their words manage to take us to some of the darkest corners of our imaginations. Hello everyone, my name's Valerie Koo and I'm host of the Murder and Mayhem pop-up podcast. This episode is brought to you by the popular online course, Anatomy of a Crime, How to Write About Murder. Over eight spine-chilling modules, you'll delve into each step of the murder process, including the psychological, forensic and legal aspects of homicide from premeditation right through to prison life. Brought to you by one of the world's leading centres, for writing courses, the Australian Writers' Centre. Using both real and fictional cases, you'll discover the many faces of killers, the police who pursue them, and the victims who get caught in the killer's trap, all designed to enhance your crime and thriller writing and help you bring writing about death to life. It's a self-study course with a full audio program, including accompanying handouts and videos and resources where you can view real forensic and police reports and a dissection of real murder scenes. Find out more at murdercourse.com. That's murdercourse.com. Valerie Koo here, and I hope you're enjoying this pop-up podcast series. This installment is going to be awesome because we're going to be talking to YA Erskine, uh, otherwise known as Yvette Erskine. Now, I hope you're enjoying the series and getting a real insight into the minds of some of the world's best crime and thriller authors. Of course, this pop-up podcast series is coinciding with our Crime and Thriller Month, but you can listen to it anytime. If you want the free ebook that accompanies this series, then you can go to murdercourse.com and download it for free. It's called A Month of Murder and Mayhem. Now, these interviews were originally part of the podcast called So You Want to Be a Writer, which I co-host on behalf of the Australian Writers' Centre. But over there, we talk to authors, editors and publishers from all different walks of life and different genres. And what we've done is we've curated all of the fantastic crime and thriller authors so that you can spend a month of Murder and Mayhem with them. This instalment, this episode, we have Y.A. Erskine. Now, YA, or Yvette, is an 11-year veteran of the Tasmanian Police Service. So she has seen quite a few things in her time and has no doubt drawn upon them to write her books because she is now a crime fiction author with novels The Betrayal and The Brotherhood. So let's listen to YA Erskine. So Yvette, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Tell us about your book. This is your first book called The Brotherhood. Tell us what it's about. Um, Valerie, it's the story of um, the murder of a police officer down uh, set in Hobart, which is where I policed for a little while. And um, it's it's not a whodunit. 
uh, not a typical one. It tells the story of the murder straight up and then proceeds to tell the next 12 to 14 hours following the murder through the voices of 10 other characters. So you're basically getting their points of view and along the way there are a few twists and turns and uh, you find out that perhaps the sergeant wasn't such a good guy after all. (laughs) So why did you decide to write this book? Why? Um, I actually began, Valerie, uh, many years ago, back in 2003, when I was policing myself. And I'd had a couple of nasty experiences. Um, I'd been assaulted a few times. And um, my partner, was, who was a police officer at the time, he was charged with assault uh, in relation to a, a typical arrest situation on a Saturday night. Um, the person in question made a complaint and he was charged with using excessive force. And that basically took out um, 12 months of our lives, our lives with court appearances and what have you not. And it was, it was a really stressful time in life. And he was eventually found not guilty, or actually the case was dismissed, but nevertheless, it was really an unpleasant situation. And after that, I became very angry with policing and with the hierarchy and the way we'd been treated. And uh, so I started writing, and it was autobiographical, and it was very black, and it was very negative and dark, and and kind of reflected where I was in life. Um, And that was the first thing I wrote. And then slowly, as the years went by, my frame of mind became a little bit better. I I tweaked it and uh, then fictionalised it, but I still knew it was kind of missing a a certain something. And I'd sent it out there into the publishing world, but um, got a bit of thanks. It's really, really interesting, but no thanks. And uh, basically, the Brotherhood came about uh, in 2009 when I was reading an online paper and saw that one of my ex-colleagues had been involved in a rather nasty situation down in Tasmania involving a a crook with a firearm. And I was really quite shocked. Um, I wasn't policing at that stage and was mentally quite um, removed from the situation. But it still hit me pretty deep because he was a good bloke. And I thought, what if he had have died um, on that day? And so that's the question that essentially said about the Brotherhood, which was about my fifth book at the time. So long story, but that's how it came about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was your fifth book, did you just say? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so what happened to the first four? Oh, they're still sitting there if anyone's interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I say, the first one was the autobiography, but I look back on that now and go, whoa, that was really dark. Um, and the second, uh, at uh, a lovely agent's um, bequest, that became fictionalised, and then I worked on another version of that, and then I did a sequel to that. But as I said, it was still missing something. So by the time I got to the Brotherhood, um, yeah, I did have those writing experiences behind me. And the Brotherhood just kind of clicked when I... When I had the topic and I had the question, I just thought right from the very start, yes, <laughs> this one's going to work. So. So, so at the very start when you thought that, what was the gestation period after that? How long did it take for you to write that first draft? Uh, that one came about in three months, which was actually, it was quicker than anything I had done previously. It just, as I say, it really worked for me and uh, I really enjoyed the writing process and couldn't actually wait to sit down every day and do it. What do you enjoy about the writing process? Like, why did you keep on doing all of those books? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
dare I say that uh, I was motivated by the greatest motivators of all. I knew if I didn't make it as a writer, I was actually going to have to go back out into the real world and get a real job. <laughs> no, no. Um, I say that with all with all great humour. But um, no, I knew I, I couldn't go back policing. And, and as I say, I ended fairly badly uh, with policing and, and basically had a bit of uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And the, really, the thought of going back into another workplace uh, actually left me cold. So... Uh, with my wonderful husband supporting me, I, I'd asked him to give me 12 months. I said, I know I can produce a book. Wow. <laughs> and he said, yeah, no worries, go for it. Go and live the dream. Uh, <laughs> five years later, he's still <laughs> real <laughs> But uh, it seems to be happening, which is great. Great. And so just take us back. Why did you want to become a police officer in the first place? Well, um, my motivations probably weren't the best, sorry. Okay. I, I knew I wanted to do something good. I wanted to contribute to society and help out. Um, however, it had never been a burning ambition for me. Um, you go through the academy with so many people who say, oh, I wanted to do this since I was four years old. Yes. And, you know, I can remember playing police cars and locking up the next door neighbour and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Yeah, that was never me. And perhaps that was my downfall, um, going into it for the wrong reasons. But basically at 21, I'd finished uni, finished my arts degree and was looking around going, oh my God, what do I do next with my life? I never had a clear cut direction in life. Um, and I'm so envious of people who do, but basically got to 21. Um, I was reading a newspaper on a Saturday morning, uh, saw a, a, an ad in the job section that said, uh, one job, a hundred careers, come and join us, and thought, yep, I can have a crack at that. That looks all right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I got myself fit and um, managed to get into the academy, and I, I think I always knew it wasn't going to be for me right from the word go when I when I got out on the streets, but I hung in there for a long time, probably a little longer than I should have, but uh, I gave it a reasonable go, so can't ask any more than that. So you seem to really enjoy writing now, and, and you did do an arts degree. Did it occur to you to do to pursue writing earlier? <laughs> Um, a little bit, Valerie. Yeah, I didn't. I did English as part of my arts degree. Did a few English subjects and loved it. Uh, I was always very in awe of literature. Uh, some of the greats we studied, and and perhaps I always thought oh, I could never write like that. Um, but no, it didn't really occur. I, I suppose I'm like everyone. I've written stuff um, as I've gone along in life, and you know, I started out with the childhood stories of, oh gosh, Murgatroyd the Martian, and and something about gigantic guinea pigs taking over the world. I don't remember <laughs> writing in primary school, but uh, no, it didn't really occur to me at that stage. No. So when you wrote that autobiographical piece, did you just spew it all out and, you know, your thoughts and your feelings and just what you went through, what you were going through, or was there some kind of structure to what you were writing? Um, in the beginning, Valerie, yeah, it was a general rant, um, a very angry, very black rant. But as time went by, um, I, I did work on that for a couple of years. Um, I... I tweaked it a lot. Uh, it became not only chronological but quite thematic. Um, and I thought jolly clever at the time. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was I was pretty impressed with what I turned out. And uh, yeah, it finished obviously with um, the way I felt I had ended up and how I'd turned into a bit of a monster. Um, but how I was looking forward to the next chapter in my life. So. And so, do you feel that that did you that that resonated with people or not? 
Um, it never saw the light of day, Valerie. Um, yeah, I I did send it to a friend who was associated with policing at the time. He wasn't a police officer, but he'd had a lot to do with police, and he felt it was spot on, and it certainly would have resonated with a lot of people. However, uh, he said it was far too angry, and there's no way on earth anyone would take it on because it was too litigious, um, and right. there's a lot of people and a lot of... Uh, trouble. So, yeah, he recommended toning it down a little bit. Uh, but I can only say that it was my journey. Um, hate to use the word journey, it's terrible, isn't it? But, <laughs> but it was my story and it was how I felt at the time. And it might have been politically incorrect, mm. um, but it really was the frame of mind that I was in. And I can say that um, since that time, you know, I ended up, uh, I resigned in 2006. But since that time, there's been a regime change down in Tasmania Police, and I believe things are much, much happier. Uh, morale is fantastic. The new commissioner is much beloved. So that's great news. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to have been everybody's journey, but yes. I can only say it how I saw it. Yeah. Was it therapeutic for you? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted everyone to read it. I really did, and I was... Yeah, you know, the day I had to put it away and admit that it wasn't going to happen, um, I was a little bit sad. But on the other hand, by the time that day had come, I was in a much more positive frame of mind and was really enjoying life, uh, no longer being in the blue uniform. So if that was like therapy for you, what then, and you know, it served a purpose in your life mm-hmm. at, at that time, how about this book, The Brotherhood, which is fictional, mm-hmm. uh, that's not therapy. What, what what have you gotten out of this experience? Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, a few of the characters in the book um, – and you might recognise it when you see it. They have a little rant. They have a little diss. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I've managed to slip a few uh, a few comments in there in relation to how I was feeling and, and perhaps the bigger issues like how I felt about the justice system and, and how let down we were. Um, so whilst it's, it wasn't cathartic in, in um, the way the first one was, yeah, you know, I still had a little bit of fun with it and got a few things out. Um I I don't know. I, that's an interesting question. I just really enjoyed the process, Valerie. It was very a very challenging process for me. It was complex. It was mental. It was, uh, you know, just sitting down and thinking about how the characters all tied in with one another. And it was just fun. I guess, uh, which is which is a great thing, and I'm really really lucky. Much of the book focuses on a clash between Aborigines and the police. Mm-hmm. So, what inspired you to write this? Ooh, getting into murky waters now. <laughs> um, really, the way the my criminal had started out. Um, he was just a normal uh, white Anglo-Saxon Tasmanian kid, like so many others I dealt with, so many kids that arrested over the years. Um, really, I only made him part Aboriginal because it made the storyline a little more interesting and enabled me to um, branch out and incorporate some of the issues and some of the politics and some of the some of the feelings um, that do go on when that is a real-life situation. And so... What are you? Uh, what are you working on now? Ah, 
I've finished the sequel to The Brotherhood. Um, I was lucky enough to have a two-book deal from the wonderful Random House. So you um, always knew you were going to write the second book? Uh, actually, no. Um, I'd, I had started it, um, but it, it didn't, I didn't intend it to be a sequel as such. Um, yeah, I had hoped I would be able to write a second book. And essentially, it's not a sequel. Um, the only way it is is that it, it incorporates a few of the same characters um, right. and is written in the same narrative structure. However, I've introduced a whole new cast of characters and it's a completely different topic. Um, so I, I had obviously hoped, I mean, you know, we all hope that we can get the, the 20 book deal. <laughs> um, but uh, they saw this, uh, Random House saw the synopsis for that and loved it, which was fantastic. Um, but So that's all been um, done and I'm currently working on the third. Really? Yes. Wow. So when is the second one out? I believe we're scheduling it for August next year, so probably 12 months or so. Okay. And is the third one still part of the series? It is. Um, I hadn't intended for that to happen at all, Valerie, but my wonderful sisters-in-law who had read the first two and gave me uh, some great advice were a little bit concerned and wanted some um, some nice closure for a couple of the characters. Right. Uh, so I thought, ah, well, why not? I can give one or two of them a happy ending. <laughs> it's not too black. So that was uh, that was why I decided on the third. I thought, oh, better keep going. Yeah. So crime fiction is often characterised by, well, obviously crime, but also mm-hmm. with, you know, some darkness. Is it hard for you to write about that darkness or is that something that has really come naturally to you because you were exposed to it on a day-to-day basis when you were policing? That's absolutely correct, Valerie. Uh, It's frightening how easily it came to me. Um, It never occurred to me to give it a happy ending, um, which (laughs) which might be a bit sad. um, I do get a little – I read a lot of crime fiction and sometimes I think, oh, for goodness sake, why does it all have to be tied up? nice and neatly with a, a pink ribbon and, you know, there's the, the criminal gets caught and the, there's the video interview and there's a full confession and everyone goes away happy with their day's work. And I think, no, oh, damn it, that's not how it happens 99% of the time. Yes. Yeah, um, often the criminal doesn't get caught. Often the criminal walks away from court even though you've presented the best possible case that you can. Uh, and it's not all happy endings. So... Uh, perhaps that's where my darkness comes in and perhaps that's why um, I wanted to deliberately make it a little different to a lot of other writing that's out there. What did you do to improve your writing skills and to assure yourself that you were on the right track when you were writing in the last few years? Uh, really, I I just wrote um, Oh, that sounds really simple. I, I didn't go to any writers' centres or, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, I'm not into the group thing, um, which could well be to my detriment. Um, but I, w- I would like to start going to a, a lot more things like that. But really it was just a matter of sitting down and writing and identifying what worked and what clearly didn't work. And obviously being a fairly uh, full-on reader myself, mm. I can hopefully identify what's working and not working, but um, also putting the manuscript out to those uh, individuals who can have a bit of a look at it and who I know are fantastic readers and writers themselves and can give me valuable feedback. You know, that really helps to have the 
the independent eye running over it. And, and you miss so much because you become so immersed in your own story and you've taken bits out and added bits in. And, you, you know, sometimes when you get to the end of it, you can't remember what you've added in or what's yes. come out and you're still writing things that really aren't applicable because you think you had that back in Chapter 2, but you really didn't. So, um, yeah, as I say again, my, my fantastic sisters-in-law who are both great readers and filled me full of valuable advice. But really, I think it's just practice practice, practice, and being honest with yourself, perhaps. I think, as I said, I knew with number two or three that it wasn't working. It was certainly lacking something. I just didn't know what. But um, it was only with a lot of thought that I I finally managed to hit on this idea and thought, yep, that's it. That's going to work. So what do you think is is so appealing to readers about crime fiction? Because crime fiction is so very popular. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh. I don't know. Perhaps it's, um, it's perhaps a lot of us deep down would love to be involved in that. Sort of thing. <laughs> um, you know, I read Linda LaPlante. I love her detective, and uh, you know, she was a great detective. And I often think, wow, even having been a police officer, I would have loved to have been like that. Yes. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it's like any book. Uh, a good book will take you on a journey and will let you get away from reality and. Um, I, I like a good story. That's that's what I like to read and write. I, I'm not much of a, a literature fiend, um, perhaps to my detriment again. Yeah, I, I like a lot of commercial fiction. So tell us about your writing routine. When you're actually sitting down and writing, mm-hmm. do you have a, you know, do you start at a particular time of day? Do you have breaks at specific spots? Do you set a word count that you're trying to aim for? How, what's your routine to, to get the discipline going? Um, to get the discipline going, I, when I'm in first draft mode, I treat it like an absolute work day. I will have my coffee, I will scan the papers for the news, and then I will sit down from nine to five and write and write and write. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of um, filling up the page, and I read, uh, no, actually I heard at a writer's festival once that uh, you can always edit a bunch of crap, but you can't edit a blank page. And I'm a firm <laughs> believer in that. So even if it's not happening for me, if I know it's crap, I'm still going to write it. It's just a matter of putting the head down and bum up and getting on with it. Yeah. And so do you have a word count that you aim for? Uh, I generally try, oh, not a word count so much, I generally try and do um, 10 pages a day when I'm in first draft mode, yeah. Great. And finally, what's your advice to budding writers out there who are considering, you know, a career change really like yours? Um, If you have the means to do it, do it by all means. Um, If you don't, take your nights, take your early mornings before you go to your regular job, sit down for, you know, get up an hour or two earlier and just pump out what you can. It's the same old advice that everybody gives, Valerie, I believe. You just have to do it and that's all there is to it. Sit down, tonk yourself in front of the computer, open up that blank page and just write because otherwise it's not going to get done. And I guess if you have a passion uh, like I did, it doesn't become a chore. It becomes fun. Great advice. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us today, Vet. Thank you for having me, Valerie. I hope you enjoyed listening to Y.A. Erskine. Now, no doubt Yvette had a lot that she could draw on from her experiences in the police force and dealing with criminals. But 
ultimately that kind of, even though you have that competitive advantage, you can still do the research yourself. If you don't have a background in the police force, you can still write about a lot of the procedures and the forensics and the and the way that the police go about things by talking to police, finding people who uh, have the experience that you need. I've spoken to many crime and thriller authors who, you know, don't have the same kind of background as a vet has, but they make a point to go and get to know people who are experts who they can interview to make sure that their story is credible and believable. One of the things I like that Yvette has said is that she is a fan of filling up the page because, you know, you you can't edit a blank page. So ultimately, you can have all the experience in the world and some great dark stories to draw on, but unless you put your bum on that seat and put your fingers to the keyboard and write that story, then it's just going to remain in your head forever. So I encourage you to do that yourself. I hope you enjoyed listening to YA Yvette Erskine. The Murder and Mayhem podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, one of the world's leading centres for writing courses, with online and classroom writing courses in all genres of writing, including crime writing. Students enrol from all over the world. You'll find a course to suit your needs right here at writerscentre.com.au.